All right, welcome to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast, episode 104. We're here with NHL great Dave Capuano. Dave, welcome. We're going to talk Bruins hockey. Glad to be here. Yeah, so Andrew's uh, will be jumping in here in a momentarily, but uh, Bruins are on a tear. Just talk about uh, first overall impressions, Dave, of the Bruins here with their first, uh, was it eight games? Yeah, obviously, um, you can't ask for much better. I think um, it's their second best start that, that they've ever had going back to, I think, 1930, where I think that team started 17 and two. Um, so I think obviously, you know, being a main graduate, I think they hired the right coach. Um, and, uh, I, I think that the players obviously are, are buying into everything that he's selling. And I think the biggest issue I see in looking up and down the lineup is you got, you know, um, scoring, up and down that lineup, you, you know, you're looking at Taylor Hall with five points, Coyle with five points, Greer with five points, Lindholm with seven points. Um, you know, so, so there's so many good things that are going on. They're getting the D involved. And I think, um, you know, he's just a, he's a coach that, that preaches, um, preaches a whole team, 25 guys. Yeah. And I don't want to steal your thunder. I want to credit this to you, but uh, off air we were chatting and I remember you saying that, the difference uh, with this coach is it seems that he's letting the players play. Yeah, there's no question. Um, they seem to be having more fun. They, I think it's a big reason why Bergeron came back and, and, and you know, if, uh, and Krejci came back and, um, you know, obviously losing Krejci, you know, could hurt. Um, obviously when you lose a center, that's, that's a big part of your team up the middle is it's so important in the NHL. Um, so uh, but right now they're running on all cylinders and, and Marshawn to me, I, you know, the game he played the other night, I thought he looked as good as he did seven or eight years ago. Um, I know he had a rough stop, but uh, I mean, boy, was he, um, was he, was he tenacious on pucks and, and, you know, and, and doing things that he did six, seven years ago. And, and it's just nice to see that he's healthy. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about Marshy. Um, a, a little bit later and ask you some player related questions about injuries, but uh, yeah. So from a player's perspective, what is, when you say the coach is letting the players play, what, what does that mean specifically? Well, I think you're getting away from systems, uh, whether it's a one, two, two or a trap in the neutral zone, or uh, I, I think the Bruins are well taught defensively because that's really been their Cassidy style for the last seven years. So I think that it's, it's, it's probably been a little easy for him to come in and, and say, listen, I want the D jumping up in the play. Um, you know, and I, I think just that fact alone is, is so important. I know I don't have the stats, but, you know, in talking to my brother, um, they all have the, the, the stats now on, um, on, the, on this stuff, on, on defense jump up and play and defense points per game compared to wins. And, and it's just a, a, a huge, a huge thing for um, – for them. So, and I think obviously Lindholm getting an opportunity to play on, you know, getting more more ice time without McAvoy there is, um, you know, what a start he's off to. So, um, but, the, you know, they're playing, they're having fun and they're doing what they, they, they've always done. They're doing what they do best. I think, um, you know, I, you know, I mean, we look at Felino, we look at Zaka and, and Greer. I mean, these guys, 
you know, they're doing what they do best. Greer's an energy guy. And so I think when you, when you're playing to your strengths versus playing not to fail is, is what's going on with the Bruins right now in their coach. So I want to throw a little bit of a shout out to your, your brother, because up in Ottawa, Ottawa really jumped on the Bruins and it's the, their only loss, but uh, Ottawa is looking really good this year. Are they just tired of kind of like the Bruins in the, in the sixties where they're just tired of, of being beat up and uh, looking to uh, have a little bit of payback? I think the, I think Ottawa is a good young team. And um, unfortunately they've lost Norris for a few months, which they don't have the type of depth um, to, to sustain someone like that. But uh, hopefully he's, he's out shorter than what they say. Uh, so that's, that's really going to hurt them. Plus they lost their goalie. So I think Ottawa is that team that needs to hang in there the first 25 games, 22 games because of that losing the goalie and losing Norris now. And if they do, I think they can make a push. Um, they can make a push, but, uh, you know, it was, it's nice to see, it's nice to see, uh, you know, my brother and, and, and coach there making a push and, and getting some, you know, some of the hard work that they put in every day that's paying off for them. So you mentioned it in the intro, uh, the secondary scoring and the depth, something the Bruins have been lacking. Uh, we've talked about that in the past. So, yeah, as I'm just running down here, uh, some of the secondary, each two goals, six assists. DeBrus, three and four. Maybe he's not considered secondary. Hall, four and two. Uh, Greer, uh, three goals, uh, two assists. So they're getting the job done uh, finally. Is uh, and, and how big is that for the team? Obviously, it's big, but how big? And do you think they can continue? Well, I mean, that's, I think that's the big question is if they continue getting secondary scoring, this team's going to win a lot of games. I mean, especially with Marchant coming back and especially with um, McAvoy coming back, you know, and he's going to be well rested for that second half push. Uh, so it's a great, that's a great testament to, to what this team's doing. I mean, you look at even Feligno, <clears throat> Nick, um, you know, We've talked about him and obviously, you know, we didn't know how injured he was last year, um, but you can tell how well he's skating. And I did, I even noticed it in the preseason when I watched a couple preseason games where he stuck out to me that he did a lot of nice things offensively that I didn't see last year. Um, but you look at him with four points in nine games. I mean, if, if he goes out there and scores 30 points, I mean, how much, how, you know, it's a huge, a huge lift to this team. So um, I mean, it's the key to the NHL is, is depth because, you know, we've seen it in the Stanley Cup finals where, yeah. you know, you, you, you go seven games and two or three of the games, you've got, you know, none of your big guys that score and the secondary guys are winning games. So, you know, it's, it's part of the NHL. They all talk about the depth and they all talk about, you know, the, the defense and, and we haven't gotten to, to, to the goaltending yet, but uh, obviously that's been a huge, huge part of success of this team so far. So why do you think, what would be a, a strategy, because it is a risk to put somebody on waivers, that Sweeney put um, Felino on waivers? And it, and it seems to be working out for the Bruins. Uh, Felino's got a spark. But was that a smart move, or was that too much of a risk, in your opinion? I think it was a smart move. I, I think after the year he had last year, you weren't going to have guys picking him up, and I think they knew that. Yeah. And we do have to say that you were high on Felino even last year of doing his job. And Andrew and I were naysayers. We're going to 
Hopefully, if Andrew pops on here in a minute, we'll uh, roast Andrew a little bit. But uh, yeah, you've uh, made a a believer out of me. He's off to a great, great start. And um, I was watching. Not that I'm I'm that big of a fan that I watch these behind the beat episodes of behind the scenes stuff. But I did uh, catch one while I was on the treadmill yesterday. And uh, boy, that guy is very valuable in the locker room, him and of course, Bergeron being captain. But if you're a young player or even say you're 26, 28, how big is it in the locker room to have these vets opening their mouths uh, and kind of calling out players or, or just creating a, a good vibe in the locker room? Well, I mean, you look at, you look at leadership and you look at winners and, and, and that's why they're great, not just great players, but great teams. Um, I mean, you look at, um, I think the ultimate leader uh, in, in any sport probably was, is Tom Brady. And you look at what he's done and when, when he speaks and, and what it does. And I think it's so important to have the, these guys in the locker room. And, and like I said, it's not just on the ice. It's, it's, you know, Bergeron off the ice, the community, but, but Nick is, is a great leader and always has been. And I think that was the, one, of the, one of the appealing things that the Bruins wanted to get out of him too. So uh, it's very important to have that in the locker room. And, and I, think, you know, I think it all stems from, from the legacy that uh, Chara left and doing things the right way too. And you know, treating the rookies right, treating players right, treating players with respect, whether a rookie or not, I think goes a long way in that locker room. So, Andrew, you just joined us. Uh, Dave is kind, being kind to us on the uh, Nick Foligno uh, saga, and I did admit that we were wrong and, and he was right once again. Yeah, I figured that was the first thing Dave was going to bring up today. <laughs> I, I, was, I was fully prepared for it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he's working out, and the guy's working uh, super hard. So uh, we've been talking depth uh, throughout secondary scoring particular uh, let's well let's talk a little bit about pasta the guy has like 17 points or something ridiculous am i wrong andrew on the stat on that no he's he's number one in the league right now must so, be a, it must be a contract yet for him so keeps going up too yeah that's Dave, for sure yeah and i think i think that i think he's you know i think not only and you watched him play the other night. I mean, he's, he's, he's asked actually, you know, he's finishing checks and hitting guys. And, you know, I think that like a guy like Marshawn coming back and playing like he played and, 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 and some of the guys, I, th- I think when you start seeing those, those type of players do little things like that, I think, I think they've, they've, they've totally just bought into this coach and they, and they want to play hard for this coach every single shift. Yeah, Al, absolutely. Dave, when you're in contract negotiations, it's just between agents and, and GM, correct? It's not, it doesn't, it, it just seems like it, it would be weird, but it, you know, it's professional sports. So it is weird of, you know, pasta. Yeah. Is doing his deal. But in the meantime, I'm sure there's heavy negotiation between his agent and the Bruins organization. Um, I mean, is that just how it, it's always worked? Well, years ago, it was a lot different when we played. I mean, but now, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very soundly done between agents and, and, and team and, and the player really probably doesn't get much update. And I don't think pasta is a big money guy, but I'm sure pasta's agents. I mean, I'm sure you're looking at 11, $12 million a year now. And I don't, I don't know if the Bruins are going to give it to him. So 
Um, we've talked about how cheap they are and, and, and their big goal is to just make the playoffs every year. So I'm not sure they're going to come up with that money. I'd be curious if it's, you know, if they're trying to get them a home you know, town discount, but uh, you know, I mean, if the guy's leading the league and scoring and some of these guys are making already 10, 11, 12 million a year, where does that put him? Well, so what was it like back in the day for you then? Uh, like when we talked to um, old NHL or uh, Gary Unger in the seventies, he was like, I just go up and I'd have a contract thrown at me by the GM and it's either I sign or I don't. Yeah. Well, no, we had agents back then too. So, but it was, um, you know, it was more to that, you know, we're giving you this if you don't like it, you know, but that, you know, as it, it it's evolved. Okay. And um, just totally different back in, 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 in my days, it just wasn't uh, there wasn't the money thrown around obviously. And, and it wasn't the openness. No one, no one really knew what other guys were making either. So it was very difficult to negotiate. Well, and Dave, speaking of contracts, what, what do you think is going on with the Stavnika move? I thought that was pretty random, but I also thought maybe it was because uh, they were sending him, um, probably going to be sending him down on waivers and where was most likely going to lose him and didn't want to lose him for nothing. But uh, it didn't really make sense of a trade because, you know, if we don't sign Pasta, that's one thing, but we won't have Krejcic and Bergeron most likely after this season, maybe not, but that's all of our center depth right there. Now Stavnika is gone. I just don't see where that – where the other two fit in the system from the trade. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really sold that Stanika could step in and play a second round, second line Bruins role. But then again, he wasn't given the opportunity or the confidence with Cassidy to do that. So it's a, it's a tough loss because it's, I mean, your you know, father were talking about a prior to you jumping on that um, it was one of their, you know, their big, draft picks that has kind of worked out, right? I mean, he had a, he was great in the AHL. He showed that he could dominate in the AHL, but um, just didn't make that step. And I think, you know, in, in getting this opportunity, I, I know there was four or five teams involved. I think um, from what I hear, Ottawa was one of those teams too that was interested. Um, and obviously the Bruins wanted to get something for, for, for him versus sending him down. Cause obviously someone would have probably picked him up. So um, all worked out good. I, I think he's happy. I think he's happy with the culture there already. And um, he's got a great opportunity to play in a great, great hockey city, you know, without the, the pressure of kind of the, you know, Toronto Montreal pressure. So I think it's a great fit for him and he's going to get an opportunity to play. Let's talk a little bit about de uh, defense now. So McAvoy's still out, but uh, Lindholm stepping up. Uh, uh, Grizz is back. Uh, even Clifton is is stepping up, uh, even though I think he's uh, missed a couple of things. But he uh, he seems to be doing well. What do you think about the Bruins' defense and the depth of the line? Well, what can you say? I mean, they're eight and one, right? Yeah. Um, exactly. So, and that they lost a back-to-back -to, -back to Ottawa that they almost came back and pulled out on one. So, uh, obviously, Clifton has played great. He's played really strong. He's he's played really physical. Um, so, I, I think overall, they've played tremendous. I mean, Lindholm has been, you know, I mean, he's he's averaging a point a game and, and uh, you know, playing as, as the minutes he's playing. And I think he's really been the, the key guy for the Bruins to hold this ship together with McAvoy out. And do you think that it's a problem now that Carlo is 
I mean, really experiencing those concussive symptoms and issues coming back because, you know, obviously I'm not in the game. I'm sure he got hit really hard, but it almost seemed like the bump along the boards, I don't know, maybe shouldn't have given him that concussion. A lot of people, of course, are talking about, you know, the hit from Wilson and his pass. And if it's starting to catch up to him with concussions, do you think that the Bruins are going to have to start looking and maybe moving Carlo? Or do you think because he's such an elite defenseman, you can't really... I, I don't think I, with his with his injuries, I think it, it would be very difficult to move him right now. I don't think you'd see him being moved. I, I think he's in a tough position. And, I, and this is one of the, the reasons why I can't stand those big hits to the head and, and near the glass, because it basically, you know, the one shot can ruin your career because the next one doesn't take much. and The next one doesn't take much. And it's not easy to get hit three or four times. And before you know it, you know, you're on IR 40 games for the year. So it's it's um, it's tough to see. But again, I think that's why they brought Strawman in. Um, and and I think that uh, Strawman's the type of guy that can go out there and, you know, just be OK. Um, so, uh, you know, I kind of feel bad for Carlo because I think that Carlo, we know he needs to play that style. And if he can't play that style and, you know, he's he's timid at all with concussions, it's going to hurt him. Before we jump to goaltending, I do want to, uh, I forgot to jump back into uh, the offense with, with Marchant. We talked a little bit of, about his return. Um, and I believe he had, did he have like a hip replacement, Andrew? What was the deal with that? Dave, do you know? He had some sort of hip surgery. Yeah, I, I think it was hip surgery. Correct. I think it could have been like a double surgery or something. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but his... Um, I mean, the way he played the other night, I was, it was, you know, the first seven, eight minutes, you, you know, had a tough start. And after that, I mean, man, he was, he was so good. I was so impressed with, you know, with, with him, he was like, uh, he was on pucks, he was winning battles and he was, he was as good as I've seen him in the last six, seven years in that game the other night. I asked, I asked my wife for the listeners, we'll just refer her to as Dr. Michelle uh, I asked Dr. Michelle, she was watching the game and of course he's back like a month or two early. It's crazy. And I says, you know, what, what, what is it? And of course she's like a personal trainer 24 seven, which leads me to believe Dave kind of from even your day. And before that, um, I'm sure the trainers weren't um, have the tools that they have today, but um Dave, are you surprised he was back early knowing, I mean, you know, you're, you're still in the game. Your brother's certainly still in the game. Are you surprised he came back or that's just par for the course with the way athletic trainers are now that they're able to do this? Cause well, I was only amazing. surprised. I was only surprised he was back because they gave you a timeline and they're usually the timelines are pretty close. Um, so I was a little surprised he was back early, but like you said, with today's day and age, with the way they train, the shape they're in, it's a whole different ball game than it was 30 years ago. So, uh, I mean, and again, too, I think they, from what I understand too, even with, um, even with the way they, they run things now going through COVID, they don't practice as much anymore. Oh. And, I, and I think that's a, I think that's a, a helpful thing as the season wears on um, those morning skates used to be tiring sometimes to get up, go to the morning skate, come back, you know, have lunch, get to, you know, get your nap in. So I think a lot of the guys now get up, go for, a, you know, go for a long walk, um, come back, you know, go to their pregame and then take their nap and, and they don't go to the rink, come back. So I think that's, 
that a lot of teams learned a lot with that with COVID that they didn't need that um, they didn't need that morning skate. What's the toughest injury you had to battle through in your career? Well, I had knee surgery on my my right knee, and then I have a a sacrum that would never heal, um, and it and it to this day still bothers me. I just went through it two weeks ago where um, I twinged it a little bit, and my sacrum moves and. Um, and it doesn't go back into place correctly. So uh, that was mine. I, I, you know, and I did, you know, I had some concussions and I still linger with those. And, you know, so I, I think all hockey players do, but I, you know, I think I was you're fortunate if, if you don't have the concussion issues, I think you're fortunate. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Andrew, you want to go to goaltending? Well, I have one more question, Dave. Sure. Obviously, it seems like Mike Riley's time in Boston is probably concluded. If you look at the salary cap right now with the fully healthy roster, still about a million under. So somebody's going to have to be moved eventually. He's on waivers. I don't know if he's playing in Providence, but what, what do you think about Mike Riley being the odd man out? Do you think it's the right choice? What's your thoughts? Uh my thoughts are, I mean, the, the coaching staff there, I mean, they've seen enough of them and they you know, they make these decisions and, and I'm sure they're making the right decision. Um, but I, I think that, you know, he'll, he'll move on and he'll probably get picked up by another team and he'll go play, but I think it's the right choice. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of his defensively. So all Mark is undefeated six and oh, he's looking just stat wise is uh 1.7 goals against the guys on fire. I'm happy for him. I've always been pro Allmark. Um, and I think, you know, the fans in Boston particularly get a little bit too uh, impatient, particularly with the goaltending. I mean, look at how great Rask was and the way the fans kind of treated him, particularly towards the end. But Allmark um, is certainly coming into his own. Bruins fans hated him the last year. But uh, what do you think? Allmark seems to be on fire. Yeah, I, you know, it's just funny because I feel like he's just tracking the plays better this year. I think that's the difference of his play. I don't think, you know, as a goaltender, the, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a baseball coming out of a pitcher's hand, right? If you know the spins on it for a curveball or for a slider, there's a much better chance of hitting it. Well, if you're reading plays as a goalie, there's a much better chance of making the saves. And I think he's reading plays much better this year than I've seen him do in the past. And I think that's the key to his game right now. And obviously with his play, I think Swayman's only going to work harder and get better too. So I think they're in a really good situation right now with their goaltending. Do you think uh, DiPietro or, or whoever it was that we just got in the trade, do you think he's going to be a backup option or do you think that that was kind of more of a trade piece? Sorry to kind of go back to that, but that's just, that's just them getting something for, 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 for stud Nicker. They can okay. say, well, we got this for Studnicker. And then, you know, he progresses in the next two years. And, you know, it's trade bait, too. So yeah, makes sense. Makes now, sense. Swayman, I think, has been holding his own. Uh, I mean, he's only played three games, two and one. So his 3.76 goals against, I think, is there's just not enough data there to really show. Um, I think he's he's playing well as well. Um, is it also, uh, do you credit more Dave, should I say to the goalies or the defense or a little bit of both? Well, it's a little bit of both, obviously, you know, we know Swayman's a great goalie. I mean, what he did at the university in college was, 
was tremendous and what he did the first year here coming right in and, and doing what he did and facing adversity like he did um, has been tremendous. So I, I think, again, I think it's a perfect situation. You've got the veteran who's playing really well and he's pushing the young guy and the young guy, you know, when they get along so well, and, and I think it's a great situation for them. I, I don't think you can go by his stats with three games. No, even with, even with six games with Omak. I mean, you just, but you can see the fact that Omak is tracking the puck and tracking plays much better than he, than he did before in the past. Now talk a little bit about the culture of the team, if you can, or, or take a guess from, you know, you, you being there, um, what it seems the Bruins are having fun. Of course they are. They're eight and one, but it just seems to be a much better culture for the players. Uh, the goalies are certainly, uh, tied into each other they remind me of a sort of a moog lemlin type deal back in the late 80s that the bruins had but it just seems like they're having fun now they're all professionals they're getting paid millions of dollars doesn't matter if there's a bad culture or not but certainly it helps when the team is a team so what do you think of the culture with the coach give us a rundown well obviously right now they're they're all they're all you know, flying high with, with what's going on and they're all buying into, to, to Jim's message. And, but I think Jim is just a, is a likable coach who understands, you know, 25 guys, so 20, whatever, 23 guys on the roster that have to all be important, feel important and, and, and do what they do best. And I think that's what Jim's getting out of them. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think that that's something that Cassidy just leaned on those five or six guys so much that, you know, the other guys didn't feel part of it. And that could have been a big problem with the secondary scoring. Um, you know, I think once these guys know their roles, they know they're in the lineup, you know, you're a third, fourth line guy. Sometimes you don't know you're in the lineup. So, you know, you're in the lineup, you know, you're going to play and you know who you're playing with you know, 90% of the time, I think it's, it's a, it's a, and, and the communication that, you know, he, he seems to offer is tremendous. So I, I think they're all in a sweet spot right now. And I think that if, you know, and, and his, his coaching is not going to change. And I think that um, his voice is being heard. We talked about Cassidy and how kind of like his voice wasn't heard anymore. Um, doesn't make him a bad coach. Obviously he's doing well in Las Vegas. And um, I think that, that Jim's going to have a very successful year if this team can stay healthy. Which player has been the biggest uh, surprise for you as far as just playing really well and exceeding expectations? Well, I think Nick has been one of my biggest surprises. Um, and I think that Cl Connor Clifton's been a, a surprise too. But all in all, I think that you've got the, the, you know, every player that you're watching, whether it's DeBrus, whether it's Coyle, whether it's, Paul, Zakar, I think they're all playing with more confidence. And, um, you know, uh, even Frederick, I think Frederick's playing. Frederick's a guy that's intriguing to me because I think he's a guy that has the potential to take that next step. And um, I think Jim's the right coach for him because Jim's going to let him play. And Jim told him, go out there and just hit everything. And, and that's your game. And that's what he's doing. And he's created opportunities for himself when he does that. Yeah. And as a player, when you have a coach allowing you to kind of step out of the system there, uh, obviously that that also comes with allowing you to have a bit more mistakes. And it, it, it do you think that that's part of it, too, that the players are able to 
do something, try something, go with a little bit more of their hockey sense. And if it works out great, but if it doesn't, okay, I won't do that again, where maybe in another coaching situation, it's like you didn't play the system. Well, you look at the first few games, if I can remember correctly, I think they won like five, three, and then they, they gave up eight goals to Ottawa. Um, you know, and now all of a sudden they're as defensively, even though they're playing their game and their forwards are doing kind of doing what they want to do. I think they're getting better defensively in gym system as it goes. And I think that's a big part of it. I think early on there was some, I mean, I watched and I was kind of horrified at how bad their defense, especially in the Ottawa game. And, yeah. and, and I'm talking about, you know, Mike Greer coming back on a back check, just running to the puck. Like he was a peewee. I mean, I, 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 I you know, those things, will change and they watch tape and they watch films and they, and they get better. That's the, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't have that much films when we played or, or tapes. I mean, they have the, everything right on the bench now where they're watching their shift on the bench. So they, you know, I think they live, li they learn very quickly. And I think it's very, it's easier to coach and, and teach these kids today when you have the film you have. Yeah. What do you think overall, just, uh, I mean, cause you're, you're tied into the, the, the coaching in the NHL, were you surprised that uh, Montgomery came to Boston because he was abruptly let go, I think, in Dallas, and they never gave a reason other than sort of a personal thing, and I don't know if it was a management versus him type thing, but it just seemed like all of a sudden everybody gave up on the guy, and now he's with the Bruins and seems to be doing well. Yeah, he had some personal problems, um, whether it was tied to – some things I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was a, a management management yeah. problem. I think it was his personal problem. And I think he okay. figured him, he got him got through them. And, and I think he's a, I think he's a hell of a communicator and a hell of a coach. Yeah. Well, and clearly uh, Cassidy hasn't lost a step though. Vegas is also one of the top teams in the NHL right now. Have you caught any of those uh, games yet on the West coast Cappy? I did. I watched uh, the Vegas Sharks game the other night. Obviously, uh, my good friend David Quinn is coaching the Sharks, so uh, trying to watch a few of their games. But I did watch their game the other night, and Vegas looks good. I mean, they're they play the same. You know, they're tightened up, and I think that the accountability from everything I read there from some of the players, there's no there was no accountability in Las Vegas at all, and I think that that's so. I think it was an easy fit for for him to show up and, and do his thing because uh, the one thing he's, his presence is going to feel is accountability. So uh, I think it was a perfect fit because he got a hell of a team there too. What do you think uh, will breeze into the other teams as we've already done here? What do you think of Torts in Philadelphia? Torts is going to do his thing. He's going to bring, you know, guys being held accountable every single night. So I don't know if, you know, they're going to go out and win a, you know, make the playoffs, but I think they're going to, they're going to compete every single night. And I think he'll turn that organization around to being a tough team to play against. If you're still a player, do you go with more of a Jim Montgomery or a Tortorella or a Cassidy type? I'm sure that the players love playing for Jim because he's honest. He's, he's a communicator and I think he's fair. And I just think he has that approachability where uh, some of these other coaches don't. I mean, I was I was watching a video the other night of uh, I don't know who it was when I don't know if you guys saw that clip where uh, someone thought that they were going to fight Tortorella. One of the players was going to fight Tortorella. Did you see that, Andrew? No. <laughs> yeah, Ryan Kessler from back. Yeah, then. yeah, that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. So hey, Dad, you have to read you have to read that article. Okay. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see it. 
not yeah. Tortorella. Now, now uh, go ahead, Andrew. Do you think the the Tortorella coaches, those type of guys, you think it's going they're they're not going to be around in the NHL as much anymore? I mean, we saw the the thing happen in Toronto. Um, you know, with all those star players not reacting well, and now they have Sheldon Keefe, and now they're falling. He's falling on on deaf ears. It sounds like over there. Do you think that these type of coaches are going to be gone soon, or do you think they'll always be the old school type coaches in the NHL? I think they'll always be there if they if they want a Stanley Cup like Tortorella. He's always going to have an opportunity. You know, and that seems to be the you know looking at what my brother went through with seven years and still hasn't got the opportunity to be a head coach yet um, again. Um, because he didn't win a cup, right. but I think if, uh, if you won a cup, I think it goes a long way and guys keep bringing you back and it's all about relationships in the NHL, you know, but the older, you know, some of these general managers that are being replaced, I mean, what you, what you get is younger coaches coming in that they they know that coach in the American league and whatnot. So I think, you know, even with Vancouver, um, you could see Vancouver, you know, make a move. I know they won again last the other night so they won a couple in a row but you know you get off a start like they did and and you know they could they could fire bruce in a second do you think dave just in your uh opinion that a, a gm is it good that they were a former player or someone like a jay feaster that you know brought tampa to a stanley cup someone that's more of a business guy that understands the game rather than played in the game yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it, it. It truly matters. I think obviously someone like Eisenman, you can tell it matters. But I don't think you'd have to to be a GM. I don't think you'd have to. You have to have played. I think it does help, but I don't think it's the be all end all. And the and sort of the elephant in the NHL is uh, Arizona. How sad is it that I don't know if you saw the picture that came out on their temporary locker room, but it looks like something out of a bad high school. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of part of the locker rooms we played in when I played, so I don't feel bad for them. Um, <laughs> Do you think the NHL should have uh, done something to stop this from happening, Dave? Do you uh, think- Andrew, I don't know what they're thinking with this whole thing, so I mean, I'm hoping they're thinking they're going to move that team soon. I mean, you could go to Quebec and probably, you know, you know, get uh, you know thirty thousand season tickets sold in five minutes. Um, yeah. But again, I think that Arizona is such a key location for them and they want that they want that location there and they're hoping that someone comes along and puts in, you know, a billion dollars and buys the team and buys a new arena and the whole bit. So now, Dave, do you think it matters to the players truly? I mean, they are getting paid good money. They're in the NHL living their dream. Do you think it matters when they go into that dressing room or when they see only five thousand people there truly? Well, I think the 5,000 people probably feels like 15 if it's sold out. So it's better that better they have 5,000 people in a 5,000 arena versus 5,000 in a, in a 20,000. But the locker rooms, I think they're whatever. I mean, the hockey players are pretty humble, so I don't think it bothers them. Do you think it affects players from signing with Arizona ever? I mean, I know that affects – Canada right now, I know they still have restrictions for COVID and everything. People still don't want to go over there. Do you think that affects Arizona's? No, I don't think so. Not if they're, if they're, if they're offering you the biggest and best contract, I don't think it affects it. Cool. Interesting. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that is true. But is it sort of, uh, and, I, and I hate to, I'll just bring this up just to go there, but I'm not 
I don't I really don't like it. But it seems like Batman is always, you know, his strategy was more U.S. Try to grow the league, the brand, go for the big, uh, you know, billion dollar broadcasting rights. Do you think that's kind of why he's staying away from Quebec? Because Quebec is a no brainer. They've been screaming for it. But it's like, OK, a, a NHL team in Quebec outside of Quebec. Nobody cares. It's not going to bring more U.S. viewership ESPN deals. Well, yeah, absolutely. I, there's a reason why he, they haven't gone to Quebec because, like I said, Quebec would be, you know, a team that would sell 20,000 season tickets in, in two days probably. So um, there's definitely a reason why they, they haven't gone back to the, the Canadian market, especially after everything they went through with COVID, but dealing with the Canadian market. So I'm sure they're trying to keep it there and trying and trying to, to get more U.S. teams to grow them, um, you know, like Tampa, like Florida. I mean, you look what they've done. And um, so I, I think it's um, definitely a, a case where uh, they're trying to, to, to move the U.S. markets. So finally, we're only, you know, nine or ten games into the season. Um, is there any team that's surprising you yet that you didn't think they'd have a good start? that they are having a good start, should I say? Um, not really. I mean, we talked about Buffalo. I think Buffalo's got a really good team. Um, and uh, I think that, you know, the, the teams that are that are there are going to be there in the end. And, I, you know, I think, you know, Pittsburgh's a team that's kind of like on the cusp of being a little bit old. And can they handle, you know, you just saw them go on the road. And I think they lost three games in a row on that road trip. Um, so, you know, that's a team, that's a team that I'm a little bit concerned about um, is their age. Um, Malkin Crosby. I mean, they, what are they? Those guys are like 35, 36 years old. I think yeah. that's tough when you've played the amount of games that they've played. Um, Islanders go off to a slow start. Now they're coming on. Um you know, I think I think it's pretty much settling in where I thought it would settle in. Um, New Jersey seems to be playing pretty good. Young, good young team. Columbus, good young team. Minnesota got off to a slow stop, but I think they're coming on now. I think that was a little bit of a surprise. So all in all, I think things are kind of falling into place where I thought they would. Um, you know, we talked about Detroit early on. Detroit's doing okay. They're right there. They're right there. And you know, it's early. It's, it's yeah. nine games. So um, I think after 25 games is really, really where you get a, a really good indication of, of where you're going to be at. Um, we forgot to, I can't believe this. It's in my note and I forgot. Uh, we didn't mention Krejcich and get your opinion on Krejcich with, um, you know, his return. It seems he's uh two goals, six assists. How big is he to come back for the team? Well, again, I think I think he's in he's in that situation where can he stay healthy? It was a, it was kind of a dirty hit from what I saw the other night. I think the gut butt end got him in the chest. Um, so, but Krejci's the type of player that you know doesn't need to to skate around you know a million miles an hour. He's kind of like an Igor Larionov type of guy, um, and um at this age and i think he you know he's very effective because he's 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 so smart and he's so good with the puck and he makes great you know obviously he's got good players around him and he's he makes everybody better he's one of those guys that makes everybody better and that's uh 
it's a, it's easy to play with him and um, it's easy to play the, his style for 82 games because I don't think he, it's a wear and tear style. Andrew, anything from you? No, I think that's about it. Hopefully the Bruins can keep up the momentum. So Dave, like you said, 25 games in might be a good, uh, we get a, a better read on the Bruins and the league. So uh, we'd love to have you back around that time and get your expert opinion here. Since you seem to be pretty on the mark on everything. I think you're almost a hundred percent with everything that you say. So we'd love to have you back on. <laughs> Not sure about that, but I, I just think there's, a, I think there's definitely, like I said, I think early on in one of our conversations, this year is going to be more parity in the league. And it seems that that's the way it's working out. Um, you know, you got Detroit that's four and two and the Island is five and four, Tampa five and four. I mean, Montreal five and four, the Rangers four and three. I mean, you look at some of these divisions and how, how close the parity is. Uh, I think it's not going to take as much to make the playoffs as far as points this year. And, you know, if you can hang around a team like Ottawa, if they're four and four, if they can hang around, they lost Norris. You know, the last 20 games, any team can make a push to make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, we will end it there. And uh, Dave, we'll uh, thank you and we'll catch you again on air about 25, 30 games in. Sounds good. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Dave. All right.